0: GM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host, and this is the Best of the Month October episode. Now, October was one of my favorite months of podcasting yet. I talked with Adam Levy from the Mint Podcast about how to build a community with free NFTs, and he shared the playbook he uses to do it. Since having that conversation, I've actually given out my first free Poap NFTs and even experimented with collectible content on Lens. Elizabeth Licari revealed her secrets to great Web3 UX and provides insights on where we'll see innovation within crypto in the coming months. The founders of Jenkins the Valet shared their experience co-writing a generative NFT book with New York Times bestselling author Neil Strauss and 3,000 community members. We capped off the month talking about video NFTs and Glass Protocol what stands out for me is just the range of conversations we're having as the focus of NFTs continues to shift from speculation to utility. And listening to a full podcast every week is hard, and I hope the October highlight is insightful and fun for you. It would be so appreciated by myself, the Unstoppable Domains team, and all of our guests if you could leave a review or subscribe if you enjoy the content. So let's dive in. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. This is the best of October. If you're going to go back and listen to just one full episode from the month of October, this might have to be the one. I think free NFTs are going to be a huge trend that we continue to see bring more people into the space. And whether that's a free NFT mint, free collectibles, free content, or free Web3 domains, it's going to happen. Adam has been a creator himself and continues to push the boundaries on how to integrate Web3 into your community and content. He shares his opinions here, but he also shares his game plan for how a creator can use free NFTs to build their community, brand, or business. I wanted to really ask you, and I was wondering if you would bring it up in your top three is free NFTs, because it's something I've seen you do really well that I'm really interested in. And Mm -hmm. so maybe this isn't the one of the first three tips, you know, a creator gets to, but let's say, you know, they're here, they've experimented, they're community building, they're showing up, they're, they're Mm. putting their, some of their money where their mouth is, right? How do you then think about free NFTs as an entryway into the Web3 creator economy or community building?
1: I think free NFTs are like the ultimate sort of either Trojan Horse or Gateway for creators who don't really understand mechanism design, pricing, all these additional things that are required to sort of know, to know, to kind of like issue a successful paid drop. I mean, the reason why I think free NFTs are so beneficial and why I've sort of led my content strategy and my community building strategy around it is because it's, it's so effortless, right? It's so, it's so much more powerful to be able to give something before you take something. Right. And I'm a big believer on that, whether it's like through giving my content out for free, right? Giving it a free NFT. And with that free NFT, you get additional free content and just find a way to continuously provide value before asking for something in return, I think goes a long way. So there's a great example that I like to reference. Her name is Queen George. She's also a Web3 native music artist. She's been in the space for, I think, almost two years now, maybe a year and a half, a little bit over that, whatever, doesn't matter. I remember in the hype cycle of the bear market, we tried to do a paid drop where we sort of got inspired by Justin Blau's like iconic drop and all the other campaigns he sort of consulted shortly after and try to replicate a site based off that and do a live concert essentially for people to attend online during COVID. And the access way to kind of get the private link to view the live stream concert was by purchasing an NFT. And there were five different tiers. And to be frank, they were relatively expensive. Her audience kind of got really confused. They were messaging and replying on Instagram, like, what the hell is an NFT? I just want to watch you perform. So we stripped it. The the drop completely flopped. A few months later, I guess like six months later, we revisited it with free NFTs on sound.xyz. So she had a campaign going on and she still had to build some type of collector base online. And the way I sort of guided her was like, try just like DMing a bunch of people on Twitter, right? Sending them your music and inviting them into a Telegram group chat And then through that, you would incentivize and reward them by entering the group chat using a free NFT, right? And I think she got about like 50 people in that group chat in preparation for her paid drop down the line, right? So as she sort of funneled people in, she used the free NFT as like a top-level funnel. She got people into the group chat in Telegram. She sent different teasers and different like tidbits to sort of like prepare her collectors, her maybe soon-to-be-paid collectors as to what they should expect by listening to the music, different cuts, etc., And then the sound drop came and it sold out and did well. Now, candidly, it was 25 NFTs. I collected two, but the other two, right, were from people who kind of like came across with that funnel and had experienced her and her energy across her sort of like diligence phase that I mentioned in tip number two in your last question. So I love free NFTs as like a top level, non-threatening funnel to get people in the door and then provide additional layers of utility beyond that. Yeah, interesting. So- in
0: anyone who's done like traditional marketing on social media you know everything really is broken down into these funnels and i think there can be sometimes even a negative connotation around thinking about like funneling audience members in in web2 cuz it's all about clicks and views but this is something that's more about giving you know letting people collect from you get a taste of ownership in a really low risk way design partner from Electric Capital, Elizabeth, has so much experience building massive products and implementing good user experience throughout. She worked on Google Maps, Google Search, YouTube, and even Facebook. In this clip, Elizabeth talks about how the user experience with wallets will shift as crypto evolves. But we also touch on the importance of the terminology we use. It's so important to think about the UX from a technology lens. How many clicks does it take? What features do users want? And how do we talk about the product in ways that inspire understanding and confidence? I shared a short story in this clip about how KFC thought about what they call things and how that led to innovation. I think that principle can be used in crypto as we figure out how to talk about what we're building to the public. I hope you enjoy. What components of Web3 infrastructure do you think need better onboarding to gain adoption? Because there's... I mean, I just brought up domains, but there's tons more infrastructure out there. And I wonder if, if any stand out to you.
2: We mentioned a couple things, too, as far as sort of speed of funding and things. But I think wallets are a huge one, because no matter how or where or what you're doing with Web3, you really do need a wallet. And that is something that I think will absolutely need to evolve significantly um, before it gets adopted in a much more widespread way. And even there thinking about like the concept of a wallet as your digital identity, isn't something that maps to most people's mental models. So in real life, right, a wallet is something you keep in your back pocket or your purse and your finances are private. And you'd never think about that as being of your, your primary forward identity. And so there's that, that kind of conceptual evolution that I think will likely shift and maybe it's more terminology, but it's, it's also just kind of, I think there's that, that concept and then on top of the concept, there's also just currently still a lot of friction around setting up a wallet, having to manage multiple wallets across chains. Um, and as you mentioned, too, sort of having a hex address as your ID that I think are all things that will definitely need need to evolve in order to sort of increase the number of people who are using them.
0: For sure. Yeah. And I think one thing that we're thinking about it as a way to improve that onboarding experience in wallets and Unstoppable. We've talked to many of the major wallet providers out there, and it's when you get a wallet, how can you add getting an NFT domain into your onboarding flow? Like claiming a free NFT domain when you sign up for a wallet. We did it with blockchain.com and blockchain.com's wallet and saw pretty great results so far. And it makes everything a little bit more understandable. We're used to getting usernames when we sign up for an application. And if you think about a wallet a little bit like that, too, getting your NFT domain name is a little bit like you know getting your username i got a quick story to share with you and yeah please I,
2: do
0: because you talk about terminology and this is a story that i've tried to implement in a lot of areas of my life and i think it also applies to how we think about crypto and it's like kfc i don't know it's 10 15 years ago or something like that maybe less they were trying to figure out how to boost sales and so they they looked at to-go orders and they were like how do we innovate to-go orders well What do people do when they get their food? When they get it, they put it on their lap. So instead of putting food on your lap, where else can you put your food when you get it in the drive-thru? They looked at the cup holder in a car, and they were like, the cup holder hasn't been innovated on since the car was created. But what if we don't call it a, what do you put in a cup holder? You put literally cups that hold beverages in them. But if you remove the term cup holder, and you just call it a place to store things, what can you store there? And so they ended up coming up with the KFC to-go cup which is literally just a cup with fries and like chicken nuggets in it instead of soda in it. And I try to use that story a lot of my own life to say instead of calling it this, you know, what if we took the name away? Like instead of a wedding, call it a day you spend with family and friends. What do you do? And I think you do something different maybe on a wedding day if you call it like the best day you ever had with your family and friends and if you called it a wedding because once you call it something, you start applying – Practices to it or routines or in a wallet we think about it in a certain way. So I do wonder with wallets, if we didn't call it a wallet, what else would it would look yeah. like? Would new functionality yeah. come from it? Would people be more open to adopting it, et etc?
2: Yeah, I think there too the exercise of just stripping away the terminology wallet and defining or just kind of capturing all the things that it is responsible for. And that it could be responsible for the different connections, the different capabilities that it opens up, yeah, I think is awesome or such a good idea.
0: The creators of Jenkins the Valet, Valet Jones, and C8 Follow Ape are creating stories in the metaverse and pushing the boundaries of what community-generated NFT content looks like. They joined the Unstoppable podcast and broke down their latest book NFT release. Which was co written by 3,000 plus community members and Neil Strauss, New York Times bestselling author. In this clip, the creators shared how they approached licensing of IP with the writer's room community. I found it interesting how they think about licensing as a way for creativity to become more interoperable and flow into many different creative works. Not everyone will want to build on top of their IP owned through an NFT, but for those that do, we're seeing a standout example of how one can build a business and brand by leveraging IP in creative ways. Are you able to throw out two, three lessons from creating that would help other Web3 entrepreneurs or community builders who are looking to maybe see what you did and take some of those practices over to what they're doing too? You looped in a best-selling author and
3: 3,000-plus people in your project, and I think that's really novel. The thesis that we had when we started it was that thousands of people from all over the world can come together to make something better than like we could by ourselves. And we truly believe that. And I think after this process, I think Neil truly believes it as well. To Vijay's point, there's so many ways that creatives combat writer's block or whatever it is that they do. I think if you were to ask Neil, he would say that being able to bounce an idea off of 3000 people is incredibly valuable. And I think it made for like a really awesome work. And after having coming out of it, I think there's for sure things that we learned, for sure things that we could have done better. Every single time we do one of these, we're going to improve. But our hope is that folks do take note and that they adopt this in some way. They democratize the way that content's created. They put their own spin on it because ultimately like that's how disruption happens and that's how an industry can get shifted. And that's really our goal. We don't need to be the people doing it every time. And I think A good example is if, you know, community generative content and community voting, community lore creation has already started to take off a lot. And so is licensing, right? Especially after what we did. And so I think there's a lot of people who have picked up on it and and they're putting their own spin on it. And that's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned licensing there.
0: Like, what's the takeaway for how people should be thinking about maybe trying to license NFTs? Like, is that for every project or every person? Or do you think there's a specific group of people that looking to actually license their nft for other creative work really falls into
4: i think that there's likely not like a single answer and it's probably case by case to some degree for us the thing that we think is so compelling about nft licensing is that it's a way for someone to let their creativity flow into like other creative works So you've got all these people out there that are exercising creativity in one way or another. They're creating characters. They're building a brand around avatars. Like they don't have to be completely like fictitious. Jenkins the valet is obviously like just a fake character. Thread guy, our director of vibes at Tally Labs and and really sort of just like a, you know, obviously an influential member of the Web3 space is just as tied to like his mutant ape as Jenkins is to the board ape. But Thread guy is, you know, is not the same type of character, but folks build, they build value that accrues back to this asset and they own the commercial rights to that asset. And a licensing agreement is, we think, a pretty, once you've done the legal work and once you've done the the software work, and so you've got the platform and you've got the agreements, a licensing agreement is a really awesome way to like take creativity and like shoot it into something that like another creator is working on. And I believe that there are Countless examples, not just in like book writing, but in really any type of creative that where like folks might stand to gain by leaning into licensing NFT avatars.
0: Yeah. Have we seen a NFT take off from like the licensing or IP around that specific character take off like we would a traditional I mean, obviously, we're nowhere near a traditional Disney character yet, right? But I think Jenkins is one of the more standout individual Characters amongst a collection. I mean, we all, board Ape Yacht Club has now gone global, but I don't know, has a specific ape or NFT in a different collection gone, you know, a quote unquote global around
3: its IP, its recognizability yet? I think it's probably easiest to just quote you, which was Jenkins is, is up there uh, without saying it ourselves. I think we're really proud of the work that we've done. I think most people would say we've sort of broken down barriers as to what an NFT character can do. There's a lot of folks out there who we really respect. And also our goal is for many of them, many of the ones that appeared in our book to see lift from this, right? Like Captain Trippy and every other yacht character, our goal is to is to try and bring value back. So there's so many awesome ones. That's a large, like, selling point of the writer's room, right, is, is we're not just going to create one book. We're going to create, you know, dozens of pieces of content. So we think that the mark of, like, a great character isn't just how big that character gets, it's how big they're able to bring other people along with them. But outside of that, I mean, I think all of the mega mutants have, like, massive potential. We're huge fans of, of many of those owners and, and know that they have some really exciting plans. Curtis and Jimmy have, like, massive potential, right? I don't think Yuga has, like, fully unleashed the power that can come from there. There's for sure more coming, but I think we've laid like a really cool groundwork and hope that others kind of see what we're doing and and feel inspired themselves.
0: Dio Adiosin is the co-founder of Glass, a video NFT marketplace. He shared why he and the rest of the Glass team believe video NFTs are poised to be the future of content. I found this whole conversation to be really interesting because we talk about how NFTs improve the artist-fan relationship through collection, trading, and exchange of value, how this leads to more active online engagement, and how that builds up your digital identity. Video NFTs are about more than just making content collectible. They create new engagement types between artists and fans. They allow for interesting monetization models but they also allow us to show a new kind of support for content and for a creator. I'm working on turning this podcast interview into an NFT, and we'll be releasing it on Glass in the future. For now, enjoy this clip, and be sure to give the full episode a listen if you like it. Can you maybe paint an example of, let's say there's your favorite music artist dropping videos or your favorite vlogger, how does a fan engage with them today? And then how would they engage with them now in the world of video NFTs?
5: So today, if you're a supporter or a fan and you want to connect with a video creator, the first thing you would do is you would watch their content or you know, you know, observe it. And then after that, if you want to get closer, you could go to YouTube and then go to their contact and email them. You could leave a comment, you could go to their Instagram, maybe find them there, leave a DM. Pretty much you're not gonna get any return on maybe any of these, maybe a YouTube comment, maybe an Instagram comment, they might like it or respond, but you're not actually going to get that access. I tell everybody to
0: hit me up on Twitter, like normally, you know, but (laughs) but you're right. I mean, I how many people that are listening to this engaging in conversations with me on a week to week basis is much lower than the people consuming content via YouTube or like Apple or Spotify.
5: Exactly. And so yeah, today it's like they would go to your Twitter, try to connect with you there. But the difference is in the future, if you could collect someone's NFT, tell them why you collected it, right? Tell them, you know, get to know more about you. It's like you're going to be way more aware and attentive to that potential supporter than if they hadn't collected. So I think collecting gives you an access path and a stake in that creator's future that can, you can say, like, like I actually want this person to succeed that just like a basic DM won't necessarily do. And over time, the world's going to, it's just increasing in speed. It's like, will peace through world trade is going to be the fastest way to world peace. Like if we don't, if people are not trading, if we're just having conversations and there's no exchange of skills or there's no exchange of value in any way, Like it's not gonna really work for too long with you and that person because you know, life is not forever. People have to come into this life, trade away. The idea of trading leading to world peace, I go into this person's home and I might leave, you know, a glass of wine, they come into my home, they leave a glass of wine, that type of idea, like although that might just be considered karma or just good faith, trading regardless, I think putting that type of energy into the world is going to lead you to just a better relationship with your audience a better ability to graph.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a interesting take there, you know, trading leading to peace. Right. But I do think one thing trading does as well is it turns the consuming of content into a more active and engaged activity. Often I find that we're all scrolling watching videos, you know, liking tweets, liking Instagram posts. But then when you add this collection element to it, it's more active statement saying, like, I really like this and I like what you're putting out into the world and like I want to be a little bit of a, a part of it and attach my name to it. I think like I'd much rather be a collector than just a follower.
5: You just unleash something in my mind with that one that like I had never realized was a huge hurdle for all of Web Three. So, like, the idea is that, like, you said, like, active statement, and it's just like an active state. If you're in an active state of using these social networks, that's going to lead to this podcast. If you're in a passive state of using a social network, you would never lead to this podcast. And so I think the most important thing is that collecting is literally the beginning of an active state of using any social network. So people are actually going to have to start thinking about why they're using, why they're spending their time here, what they're doing. And I think they're going to start to realize they've wasted a lot of time in the past. And now if they can use social networks actively and then go touch grass, they would probably prefer to do that than to use social networks passively and like never touch grass because it's like you never know what you're going to miss if you're using it passively. It's like if you're using it actively, you're coming in for a focus, you're collecting that NFT, you're listening to that Twitter Spaces, you're DMing that creator right at the Spaces, and then you're out. And it's like that is an active way of living. That is living in motion. And that is potentially the biggest hurdle for all of Web3 to get over, switching people over from active state, it's actually not going to happen. Like you're not going to have like human nature is not just going to turn people There's, who wanted to pass scroll. Like, yeah. you know what might happen though, is that you'll have people who share more. Like I think sharing will increase like retweeting and sharing might increase maybe active tweet creation. Maybe the 1% of tweeters is not going to go to 10%, but you'll yep. get like 3% more people retweeting and sharing and supporting a creator's success and that could honestly make all the difference like two more people sharing your ip story two more people retweeting your thing because they know this is going to put food on the table for you honestly it's like that is going to make the world a little bit better and like that's the most i really think we can push this decade and then i think after this decade it's i think it's unlimited
0: I think for sure our our generation is definitely people who are thinking about conscious consumption I'd say all around. I mean, and everyone's going to have different pockets that they're probably pretty conscious about whether it's like veganism or it's what you do on social media, right? There's there's spectrums to everything, but it's interesting to think about how the collection putting your name on it, it becomes part of your digital profile and It makes your digital identity a little bit more vibrant. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening.